two, one, go. And we're live. This is Retrace segment number 100, 100 for Thursday, December 29th, 2022, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Retrace is about what's going on out there. The short answer to that is computer control. See Re22. The long answer to that starts with natural, artificial, and strategic intelligence, Re79 through 81. There are the hypotheses, 1 through 11, Re17. Humanity, which is the best part, Re54. Retraces for outsiders, re5, outsiders are not players, re52 to 53. Computer control is player-oriented, 54 to 55, and learning to play is what we're doing now, re56. Okay, that's kind of getting you up to speed in the first 99 segments. What are we going to do today? I've got something special planned. Actually, I don't. I'm just, we're just going to keep working. It's 100 is not actually significant if you're not in base 10. So, um, okay, quick amendment, uh, correction, actually, to re98. I said it in re99, but I want to say it in this one because that was a ChatGPT, the last segment on ChatGPT was 98. Uh, Omahandro uh, gives six drives for AI, not four. Go see the re-98 notes. You get all the details, but I said four. I was just echoing somebody who said it online because I didn't bother to go look back at the original source. But anyway, the original source – no, I just put it away. But the original source is, is uh, much more interesting than the echo online, of course. Okay. Um, ChatGPT. So – uh, in 98, I said I was going ne- – the next thing I was going to do is cross ChatGPT, the missile – actually, I said the missile in 99 – with the 11 hypotheses. Not going to do that today. Why? Ugh, so disappointing. I'm disappointed too because I wouldn't have been able to, okay? I didn't know and I still – let's say don't. I I didn't know what ChatGPT is or was or how it works and so that would have been a terrible attempt you know, it was not good. Well, now we're going to make it good with this prerequisite. We're going to talk about the architecture of ChatGPT. Okay? Uh, is that everything? I think that's everything. Okay. So you don't need to see the boilerplate. You need to see. Well, you do. Okay. Let's start with the large. Okay. So the first and foremost, before we get to the graphic, um, the, the safest term to put on ChatGPT when, you, when you're asked or when you're asking what is what is it? It's a large language model. What's a large language model? It's a language ma- model that's large. Okay, what does that mean? Well, in a you know, groping at a technical definition here, not really giving a great one, but let's say language models aim to solve. Well, first of all, okay, hang on. Just before we go into my scratch chicken scratch notes here, um, you can think of a <laughs> okay. Well, start start with this. So. Formal languages are defined by their grammars and syntax. Um, they're defined precisely, okay? You can't write a Python statement incorrectly and still be understood by a Python interpreter. Um, you can't write a C, a statement in the C programming language and still be understood by a C compiler unless, you know, somebody built... Well, you, don't, you don't have to be... The C compiler doesn't have to... to in order to be a, a compiler of C, it doesn't have to... It doesn't have to know what your mistakes, what you meant by your mistakes. The, the grammar and the syntax defi- define the language. We don't have that for natural language. We've been trying for it since, especially since Chomsky, we've been trying for years to find generative grammar and deep, uh, what did he call it? Deep, oh, he had a deep thing. Anyway, um, natural language is way more wild, way more in, in the woods, in the savannah, in the jungle. You can't find a set of mathematical or or you know logical rules that that uh, easily reveal what is a sentence and what is not a sentence, um, 
what is grammatical and what is not grammatical. Okay, so what's the solution to that? Well, um, we just talk to each other. We just know how to do it with our brains. We have no idea really why we're, we're all able to learn language and learn it so precisely. Um, but if we're going to study it using machines and tools, we can use uh, a, a language model. And a language model, instead of consisting of the rules of our um, language or our thought, uh, uh, to harken back to Boole, um, we're, what a language model does is it, it takes in a lot of observation of the language, uh, let's say in the form of websites on the internet or um, text conversations or whatever, uh, whatever you have the most uh, um, data, the most, whatever you have the most of that is the language in action, that's real data that isn't constructed for some purpose that's really naturally being used, um, it takes in all that as observation and it it is after that um, basically a way of calculating the probability of I'm, I'm way over my skis here. A way of calculating the probability of a string or a, a uh, you know a, a set of words or a set of letters given a certain um, narrow input. It is a way of calculating what is what would likely be the next thing to say in an exchange or you know in a conversation or um, uh, that would that would follow like say let's say a, you know a, a search like a Google search or something like that. Um, you can think and you can think of what it's predicting or what it's what it's calculating the probability of or what it's able to calculate. It doesn't calculate the probability. It's like you know it's a it's a model. It doesn't do anything without people working you know operating it. Um, but what it what it enables is calculate get, using calculation to get from given this input this output what is this output and when we say i, I think a safe way of saying um, what a language model does is something like it says based on the observations of the language that 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 have that have adjusted my the weights of my neural you know the nodes in my neural network um, this is the most likely thing the most likely response to this input this output text is the most likely response to this input text or this this following text is the most likely following text to this le precursor or leading text something like that you can think of it as an input output machine it's a function um, but well, okay so and and that probability or the, the capacity to calculate the probability given any input is the model. Um, it's not, it doesn't have like a list of all the words in the language. Actually, maybe it does have all the words, but it doesn't have all the phrases and stuff. I mean, it, you know, uh, maybe it is just the words, but, but anyway, the model itself is, I don't think, um, I don't know actually whether the, the probabilities are cal you can't because you can't, because the, you'd have to calculate the probabilities, uh, the probability of a given next word, based on the input you so you the probability of this word changes based on the input you don't know what inputs you're going to get okay so think chat gpt chat gpt doesn't know that i'm going to type tell me your middle name okay um, but once i do type and send that to chat gpt it is a you know a, a logical circuit in a machine uh running in a container kubernetes container um that can take that input and calculate uh, the probability of what 
And that's the question, what? Okay, it's going to generate a response. What is that response? It, it's, it's what its observation of the language has um, indicated would be likely. Okay, so there's a lot to, okay, so enough, enough, enough. Um, that's my, that's not, that's not chat GPT, but that's like a large, a, a language model. That's the best I can do right now. It sucks, I know. All right, um, let me just read my notes. Lang, uh, language models aim to solve the question. Oh, okay, this is the other thing that they, what do language models do? Like, what are they, they, they you can't tell by the word. They solve question answering, um, machine translation, reading comprehension, like captioning, I think is what's meant by that. And then summarization. Okay, so when you think about a large language model, you should think the problems that it can solve are those tasks, those things that humans would do. Uh, answer questions, uh, translate things, translate from French to English, um, comprehend text uh, in a way that isn't just, you know, regurgitating it or shuffling the words and then maybe summarizing a whole book or something like that. Now, the the language model can do that at some level of competency. It doesn't mean it can just do it. Like, the better they get, the more excited we get because they do those tasks better. But that's that's how we should think about language models. And then, um, and I've said this, the grammar and syntax thing. Uh, okay. And then the last thing is, like, parameters. You'll hear about parameters Gosh, can I explain parameters? Uh, so you're going to get a bunch of – so to train a language model um, or to train any kind of neural network model, you get a bunch of data. Um, it – and I can't, I, can't, I can't explain deep neural networks quickly to you. I, I have an idea of, of how they work, but I'm going to botch the explanation. But um, the parameters uh, – when you hear about parameters, you should think the, the model abstracts away <laughs> – uh, abstracts away the the abstracts from the 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 raw data, uh, sort of the essential features or the essential di- things that make a difference uh, to the input and output that they that's been observed in the data, and then th- and then once you have the parameters, you throw away the the data. This is a, this is a parameter parameterized parameterized uh, model, and then non-parameterized doesn't throw away. The data, but you know, we're always you're always hearing about 1.6 billion parameters or three billion parameters. You know, ChatGPT or GPT three gets better and better because of the number of parameters that they can they can pull off. So when you think parameters, you should think training data turns into some sort of simplified representation of uh, the input output behavior observed in the training data, and that simplified representation is the um, the parameters. I think okay. Did I say I'm not an AI guy? Did I say I don't know what I'm talking about? Well, let me let me just read it right now. Okay, so now let's go to that graphic provided by um, by OpenAI uh, because I think we can model through it. I think and we we have to, right? We can't talk about ChatGPT and the hypotheses if we don't talk about the graphic. Uh, where is it? No, 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 no. Where is it? It's right there. I clicked on it. Okay. Uh, so this is my annotated version of their raw uh, graphic. So this is their graphic from the uh, blog post about ChatGPT. And I just sort of marked it up and tried to make sense of it. I should have said this at the top. I am not an expert. Uh, you should not be getting your AI information from me. Um, or at least you should not be taking it to the bank. You can get it all you want, but just don't uh, – yeah. Okay. So um, first, I think I'm just going to start with what they say. Then I'm going to try and, you know, explain why I say whatever I say. But understand that there are three phases and that the basic structure of the three phases is first, you you build something here. 
then you build something here, and then you put the two things together using this PPO algorithm, okay? So let's start with the first, the step one thing that you build, which they call a supervised policy. When we think of policy, when we hear the word policy, we should think um, a solution to a complex decision problem. So a decision problem is like, should I do this yes or no, or should I go here or there? Um, and And when those things get sort of to a certain level of complexity, like more and more real-world environments, uh, in, in a more and more real-world environment, a decision problem becomes complex, and you can't solve it with a set of instructions. You have to solve it with a policy, or you don't have to. I mean, that's that's what the AI textbooks talk about is the solution to a complex decision problem is a policy, like a, a set of rules. So you don't, you know, when you're driving a car, you don't have a bunch of instructions for when to keep right or keep left, depending on what country you live in. Um if you're driving a car in the United States, the, your policy is to keep right, except in these other situ, in these situations where you're passing or it's a one-way street or something like that. So your policy is to keep right. It's not when I'm on this street, I keep right. And when I'm on this street, I keep right. And when I'm on this street, I keep right. And you, it's, you can't enumerate all those. Okay. So when we hear policy, we should think a rule that solves a complex decision problem. So step one is collect demonstration data and train a supervised policy. So let's walk through. So they say a prompt is sampled from our prompt data set. Um, and they give an example here. Explain reinforcement learning to a six-year-old. Okay. I translate that as a prompt is picked from the data set. Isn't that brilliant of me? How I just how, – how did I extract such sophisticated interpretation from the – okay. That one's kind of not, not necessary. But anyway, I'm just doing it all. Okay. I also put extra question marks everywhere where I was like super unsure about what I was saying. But uh, enough. Okay. So – so we, we grab a prompt from the data set, something like explain reinforcement learning to a six-year-old. Uh, next step is a labeler, i.e. a human, demonstrates the desired output behavior. Now, okay, and then I say a human writes, writes or selects a good prompt to a response to the prompt. They say here we give treats and punishments to – so I can't tell what they mean by this. Demonstrating the desired output sounds to me like they write – um, or or adjust and uh, you know uh, some uh, given response to this output. Here they're they're talking about this sounds like reinforcement, um, rewards and punishment, which is, doesn't seem shouldn't be coming in until um, you know the training of the re- reward model. But I don't know. I don't. I doubt they made a mistake here. I just I'm not I'm not really sure. But the the what they mean by this. But the point is to to get ourselves started. Um, training this this policy, this uh, this solution to a complex the complex decision problem of what to how to respond to a prompt. We start by grabbing a prompt, and then we get a human involved to show us, you know, how should we respond to this? Okay, then we have the data, which is the prompt plus the human demo of w- in whatever form that is. That's the data. Let's think of it as just a pair. These are the input and output, okay, of our of our uh, for our um, deep neural network to observe, so to speak, um, and the deep neural network, which is let's call it GPT 3.5 uh, fine-tuned. Okay, so they're saying this data is used to fine-tune GPT 3.5 with supervised learning, um, and supervised learning is, of course, I turned away from the damn page. Uh, no, there it is. Supervised learning, uh, and supervised learning, I'm reading from AMA 4E now. Uh, the agent observes input-output pairs and learns a function that maps from input to output. You should distinguish this from unsupervised, where the agent learns a pattern in the input uh, without any explicit feedback, and then reinforcement learning. The agent learns from a series of reinforcements, rewards, and punishments. Okay, and uh, that's, you know, but 
detail, but let's just say that, that there are at least three kinds of uh, learning described on page 653 of AMA4E. Okay. Um, so let's say that the prompt plus the human, you know, the human um, demonstration, whatever form that is, that's the data. And then you feed that into the uh, the neural network, and it learns to map the two things together. It learns basically a policy uh, or a rule or set of rules. And, and the, you know, I, I, again, it's hard to verbalize this stuff, but you should, when you're picturing it learning and the, the rules, it, these, these are um, numerical decimal values in a, in, um, a digital uh, circuit. Uh, no, in, um, in, in a, a data structure that is implemented as, as in, that is physically the voltages on wires. Okay, so it would the simplest version would be that our little neuron lights up only if it receives the number two or greater. Okay, so an input to that like each little neuron is like its own little computer or its own little function, and then you just do lots and lots and lots of them. Okay, and then you feed let's let's say an image like each pixel of an image. Uh, into or, or some group of pixels or something uh, of the image into the into these input the, as the inputs to the these lots and lots of neurons and then um, and then they have outputs and then you do another layer and another layer and another layer and that's deep learning again that's not the best explanation of deep learning but that's what you should be picturing but but all that's represented as as numbers in a data structure um, what what you're physically talking about I mean it's not some some contemplative neural network sitting in a chair you know smoking a pipe it's just the data structure um which is which is really we should think of them as like little machines or little functions the neurons as little functions and then layers of them um and that's implemented implemented what that is physically is voltages on wires very tiny wires like almost you can't even call them wires like there's just like you know atoms atom chains of molecules or whatever but it's it's you know it's basically wires okay uh so that's what we should be picturing so the deep neural network this uh this um, you know set of things that, with adjustable numbers, this set of neurons or, or virtual neurons with adjustable numbers, learns to basically a set of rules so that when it takes an input to to the input layer of the neural network, um, it can generate the output the same that that sort of matches the way that the prompt seems to generate the output through the human. So if the prompt goes into the human and comes out as the human demonstrating a good response, the the, the uh, GPT 3.5 fine-tuned um, wants to take the same prompt and generate the same response itself. It's basically trying to learn to be not just one human, but multiple, you know, as all the humans that it's, um, that are represented, humanity collectively, or, or the collective of uh, humans represented uh, in the data. By, by the by the events in the data that it's observing. Okay, so it learns a fun- function mapping the two, the input to the output. It doesn't have to be, no, it's crucial. It learns a function. There's more than one. There's always more than one function to map two data sets, two vector spaces together. Um, it's learning one, and that's one of the mysterious and sort of uneasy things about deep neural networks is we never really know how they work, or at least not until we add on things that sort of make, that that force explainability, which I don't know anything about, but I've heard that's being done. Okay, um, we can also think of this function that maps the two, the input to the output, as a hypothesis about how its environment really is, and what is the environment? Is it? I mean, in, in a in a very so for this agent program, this deep neural network based agent program, its environment is at least so far, it's just it what it observes 
in combination with the prompts and the um, demonstrated output by the human being. That's its whole environment. That's all it cares about. That's all it's, it doesn't care about. It's, you know, it's not very complicated yet. Um, and so it's, it adjusts, you know, the process adjusts it to sort of reflect the way that the environment is. It doesn't, the, the, the neural network is, is not um, going to survive our engineering of it. Uh, it's not going to be preserved and, and, and iterated if it doesn't generate outputs that are similar to or close enough to the human demo outputs is one way of thinking of it. Um, and then lots of parameters to abstract over the training data. And um, also the, the hypothesis is, is also usable as a program to test itself to test the hypothesis because we're using computers but that's okay enough we're taking way more time okay so so on this first step let's say that the data is just to su sort of summarize it here at the top the data is the prompt and the human selected response pairs um the prompt and response pairs the policy is a function mapping them or let's say a solution to a complex decision problem in the form of rules okay that's step one let's go over okay so get some perspective so that's step one we've just sort of trained this GPT 3.5 fine-tuned model, which is a try, which is trying to be a mapping that that uh, is that is just like how humans are when they get these prompts, or humanity collectively getting prompts and generating these outputs. Um, it's trying to be like that. <laughs> is is a terrible way of saying it. Okay, so let's go to step two. Collect comparison data and train a reward model. So step one is a prompt. And several model outputs are sampled. And, and the way I say this is a prompt is picked from the database and several of the GPT-3 uh, fine-tuned version N, version 1, version 2, version 3 models, they generate, they each generate a response. Version A, I should have said ABC. Version A, B, C. I think that's what they mean here. I'm not sure that they're talking about like multiple slightly differently fine-tuned GPT-3s, but that kind of seems like what this is over here. Okay. And then they all generate responses. And then another human being gets involved and ranks the responses and says D was the best C was second best, A was next, and B was the worst out of these responses, okay? And then that data is used to train our reward model. So again, we have input-output, okay? We have the input of the um, these responses. So the input is the these um, various GPT model outputs, the, the slightly different versions of GPT 3.5. I think that's what that means. I'm not sure. I'm very unsure about that. And then the output is the human ranking. And so the next thing, the next deep neural network we're going to train is going to try and learn a function between these two in this input and that and this output. And the reward model um, is also a hypothesis um, about how its environment really is. And the environment is. This, these inputs and outputs and the, and the function that it's trying to learn between them, um, these are observable. The outputs from the models and the, the human ranking of them are observable. What's not observable is what the, the deep neural network is trying to um, – is trying to – oh, it's, it's so hard not to anthropomorphize, but it's trying to learn or it, it is learning by mechanical – um, means, you know, mechan electromechanical, not electro, you know, electronic means, but it's not, it's not thinking, it's not deciding anything in any sense of the word that we would recognize. Again, lots of parameters abstract over the training data, probably, uh, not a million percent sure. The so the reward model learns a function mapping in out pairs and hypotheses. Okay, so now we have two things. We have um, basically a chat uh, policy uh, neural network that is pretty good at, you know, chat, G it's GPT 3.5 fine-tuned um, because we're building we're building a dialogue machine here that's what chat gpt is it's not gpt style 
prompt and then text. It's it's sort of dialogue oriented. So we have that pretty good. And then we have this the second thing, this sort of reward um, uh, tool that we're going to add to the environment or add to the system that's going to sort of become the environment for this um, this you know the fine-tuned GPT three and an algorithm that connects it to its uh, re- punishment and reward system. So that's step three. So let's go to step three here. Um, let, they say optimize a policy against the reward model using the PPO reinforcement learning algorithm. Okay, optimize. We should always think gradient descent. Doesn't mean they're using gradient descent, but that's what we know. You know, we've we've looked at gradient descent, so it's it's very familiar to us. Uh, if not, go back and check out the videos. We did some stuff. Um, so again, we start with a prompt picked from the database. Um, and the PPO model is initialized uh, based on the supervised policy. The supervised policy is this thing over here, okay? This, this, and and maybe the the, the sort of various versions of it. But um, I, I'm not sure which which version or, or where we should point to the, the supervised policy that's initialized or, or that it's in, that's using to initialize. But um, I'm thinking this is the first step in gradient descent. If we go, actually, can I do this quickly? Um, if we go back to our notes on. Uh, what, what word would be there? Um, great, oh, obviously. Uh, but where was that? I have this drawing that that is going to help with this. Um, no, I'm not going to be able to find it quickly. The airport problem, maybe. Please get lucky. No, I'm not going to get lucky. Nope, nope. Okay, uh, we'll leave it. I don't want to. I don't want to get. It was late though. I mean, it should be findable. No. Uh, how many did I do? Come on. This is going to be worth it. Just stand by. Stand by. Oh, so close. So close. So close. So close. Um, is it six or is it seven? I'm going to say seven. Seven is the last one. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. See, it was worth it. So worth it. So think. I, I'm thinking of the initialization of, uh, the, uh, of the what? Of the, yeah, the PPO model. The PPO is a, an algorithm, though. Is it... Um, Oh, okay. So, like, so a model for being used with PPO is initialized from the supervised policy. So this is new, I guess. This is not just por- just grabbing the other thing, the, the other model. It's 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 initialized in order to be w- usable with PPO. And we sh- I just think of it as like this, this is our first guess, and it's we've arranged it in a way that we're going to be able to do gradient descent toward the optimal, so that the 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 gradient is zero. So we um, we make it as good as we can possibly make it, okay? Uh, the next is the policy generates an output. Uh, so the PPO initially initiated policy generates an output. Uh, I just said the the, um, the fine-tuned, FT stands for fine-tuned there, so we don't forget that we're dealing with GPT 3.5 fine-tuned. Um, the reward model response, so the reward model calculates a reward based on this output. That's So we take this thing, okay, whoops, uh, we take this thing and it checks the output from this thing or you know basically this thing this is the output here and it um, calculates a reward uh, or, or it calculates a score or a reward or punishment for the output and then the fine-tuned policy is updated based on the reward model's response uh, and and then we repeat we follow this line and we go up and we keep doing that over and over again to improve uh, by using this loop Okay, 
And then up here I said, to gradient descent from, from the step one, i.e. this column over here, the step one policy model to the optimal policy model, given the reward model, given this, the PPO, proximal policy optimization algorithm, is used to choose a pretty good step size. The reward model provides feedback, the policy is updated, and the cycle repeats. That's the other thing. The PPO is, is just sort of, um, my understanding of it is, I'm not going to try and find a good uh, text on it, but the PPO algorithm is like, a good sort of compromise solution to the problem of step sizes. So if we go back to in gradient descent, if we go back to our little thing here, our little um, history of gradient descent here, this is the first step size. So this is our first guess, and then we decided a step size as our second guess, and then our, our next step size is, is a little bit less. That's a human doing that. That's me making these step size decisions. If, if this were our starting point in gradient descent and our step size were this long, you know, we would have totally overshot our optimum uh, little valley here, our, our gradient uh, zero and and then what? Uh, okay, you know, let's let's gradient descent from over here. Oh shoot, we did the same step size. We jumped over here. We're gonna keep bouncing back and forth. And actually, there's a really cool. Okay, hang on a second. Can I find this? Oh man, that I can show you. What can I show you? Oh darn it. There's a picture of what this looks like. Stay with me because you, you you're gonna love this picture if I can find it quickly or slowly. Either one, you're gonna love it. And it's online. I can show it to you. I don't know if I can show it to you. It's, um, gosh, come on, come on, come on. It's so obvious. It's beautiful. I just need to find it in our, as a citation once I find the page and then I can click it through. Gosh, I just have, oh, when I have it open, um, what is it? Uh, Mel book. Okay. Math. For machine learning, yes. And then take me to the, yeah, there it is, okay. And then the PDF, yes. And then uh, step size, no? Kidding me. Radiant descent, yes. This is not behaving like a, no, it is. It's behaving, it's behaving. Come on, show me the picture. There it is, got it. Okay, this is from, this is just from, whoopsie, getting too excited here. This is from this book, okay, but it's online, Democratizing Education. This is the step size, and this is, you know, this is this sort of illustrates the problem. You can overshoot and blah, blah, blah. If you do this wrong, the thing is going to ping pong all over the place, uh, and they talk about that on page 229. Okay, enough. Anyway, um, so that's what PPO does, is it, it's, it's a compromise between, Step sizes that'll take too long, and step sizes that'll um, that won't take very long, but that might uh, never get you to your target because they're too big. Okay, so that's what that's a way of thinking about what. <laughs> I, it's hard to explain. Like I've I've explained this a couple of times to um, to other employees here at Retrace, and uh, and uh, you know it's not easy. But at least now, when we go talk about the hypotheses, we're not going to be saying we're not going to be saying dumb stuff. We might not be saying the most accurate, most insightful, you know, AI expert stuff, but the AI experts, they, they also like, they kind of, they have the curse of knowledge. I don't have the curse of knowledge because I don't have very much knowledge. <laughs> Do you know what the curse of knowledge is? It's when you forget what it's like to not know something. And then when you talk to people about it, you don't, it's hard for you to make sense or for them to make sense of you because you're taking so much stuff for granted. I don't take very much for granted, but I also, you know, my, my explanatory powers are limited here, but we have, we have a good starting point. This is going to improve just like our... Um, our companion to AMA4E, uh, 4E, uh, our companion to AMA4E is 
a work in progress, but it's a good start, and it's going to be—it's—it's it's something that we can use. There's a lot of stuff relevant in this too, by the way, uh, to to ChatGPT. Um, that, but that we can use to improve on our understanding. With this in place, with this uh, graphic annotated graphic in place, I feel comfortable talking about ChatGPT and the hypotheses. Not that we're going to give some, you know, school on, um, uh, you know, clinic on how ChatGPT works. Um, we just need to ha have some sort of sense of what it is and, and you know, what it is or how it works and where it came from and where, where the humans are involved. Um, I think that's it. I don't think I want to – is there anything else that in my notes that I wanted to – you know, that's it. Okay. So that's it for now. Uh, we'll pick it up tomorrow. We'll cross now the missile with the hypotheses. And same time uh, – no, not same time. 4 p.m. tomorrow. 4 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, yeah. That's it. 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Uh, this has been Retrace segment number 100. Not the best one, but you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy. Um, and and that's it. I'm, <laughs> of course, the, the 100th one is going to be kind of iffy. Look, we're not going to even know what we're doing. I've been saying this internally and thinking it myself. We're not going to even know what we're doing on this podcast until we get to 1,000. Why do you think I'm doing them every day and multiple times a day? Because we got to get there. we gotta get, we got we to gotta get to 1,000. Okay. That's it for now. Same, not same time tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, signing off. <laughs>